you, once you learn, you figure out, all right, in my market, it costs this much per square foot for rehab. I'm comfortable talking to sellers. I, you know, just go out and talk to people on the street. Say, hey, how you doing? You know, just, it's just a conversation. You don't need any tricky yep. uh, lingo. It's just a conversation, right? So you get comfortable talking to people. You, it comes down to how good are you at marketing? You have to study marketing. So become a student of marketing because this is not, it's real estate investing, but it's not a real estate investing business. It's a marketing business. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hey guys, welcome to another show. Welcome to another We Love Equity Real Estate Show. And today we have Aaron Masrillo. And Aaron is a real estate investor out of Southern California. He's doing deals in SoCal, specifically uh, the Inland Empire. So if you know, like Riverside, California, um, those areas. Uh, he's been doing it for over 15 years now. So he has a, has an eight-figure portfolio of rentals. He's doing some wholesale deals, things of that nature. He's doing direct mail. So Aaron, I know I didn't do your intro any justice, man, but help us to understand what Aaron is doing how he's a successful investor. And I see you everywhere, man, on the internet, man. <laughs> so that's why I wanted to have you on the show, guy. Well, I appreciate you having me here, man. Uh, so I got into real estate because I had an income problem, which is usually not the reason most people get into real estate. I was a sales rep. I was extremely good at what I did. I had built systems to make it easy to do what I did. And I was a commission only. So the okay. problem was I was making uh, a, probably about 220, 230,000 a year. Uh, but I had zero overhead. I had pens and a ruler and the ruler was made out of plastic and rulers don't wear out. Right. I mean, <laughs> that's good money, man. Yeah. And yeah, it is. But every quarter I was paying probably $40,000, well, 30, about $30,000 in estimated quarterly taxes. So I was making 20,000 a month and then giving back half of it right. every, every 90 days to the government. And I, and it was like driving me crazy because I was trying to get into real estate and, you know, I knew that I wanted to buy houses, but I didn't, I didn't really have the drive, right? I just was making a lot of money. I was like, I, I kind of had an interest in it for a long time, but I never pursued it. And then I went to my CPA and I was like, dude, this has got to stop. This is killing me. I'm like, I'm working my ass off. I got all this money coming in and I'm giving it all back to the government. It's just not, it's not right. Something's got to be done. And he's like, He's like, you got no overhead. I said, well, what do I do? He's like, get some overhead. I'm like, how many pencils and rulers can I buy? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> He's like, I, I, I leased a truck, you know, like, because uh, I was working in construction as an estimator. So I leased a truck so, you know, I could write off $300 a month. It was a joke. So uh -huh. he's like, I don't know what to tell you. I was like, dude, you're a CPA. I'm like, what are your other clients who have right. Tell me something. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, they buy real estate. I'm like, there we go. I'll buy okay. real estate. Okay, right. right. So, so I... 
I went home and I think my wife and I were, were like looking through a magazine. I'm just like, I'm just going to buy that one. And I just, <laughs> but this was the early 2000s and you could just call up and get a loan over the phone. You didn't have to qualify. They'd like, how much money do you make? Oh, I make 500,000 a year. Like, okay, you must make yeah. it. You said it. So I bought it. I started buying, not a lot. I bought, you know, one and then another one. And like over six, seven months, I'd buy another one. And, uh, and then it got to be where, as a side hustle, I had always gone taking night classes in the local community college because I didn't have any kids. It was me and my wife. I work all day. I'd come home and just, what, what do you do, right? Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to go take some college classes at community college. And I was taking everything like electronic music and uh, <laughs> yoga and ballroom dance. I mean, whatever they had. I was like, I don't know, just sign up for something, right? Right, right. But I had also taken a lot of a lot of real estate classes just for because they were they, they usually had those in the evenings and they were business classes. And I was like, oh, I'll take the real estate one. So then one day I was online and I just happened to realize, wow, I got all the credits I need to get my real estate agent's license. I'd never even been to an open house. I mean, mm -hmm. I bought some stuff off, off the MLS, but you know, I never went out shopping. I just like opened the magazine and be like, I'll buy that one, right? That's a good house. Right, buy, right, right. Or I'd call up an agent and be like, you got anything that's all beat up that, you know, so. Uh, so you wouldn't run any numbers or anything like that, Aaron? You I, I, didn't just understand say how, I didn't understand how to do any of that. No, I could just, I knew I can get a loan by making a phone call. I had a buddy who's a mortgage loan broker. I call him up. I'd be like, yeah, I bought this. I'm in escrow on this house. He'd be like, all right. And I had the money for the down payment. And right. I just, I just wanted the depreciation, right? That's all I wanted. And the interest deduction. So I, I was in it for all the wrong reasons. Right. So, and I, I didn't buy a lot, so it wasn't a big deal, but, um, so I, I, uh, I went and took the test for the agent's license and I passed my first time. And I was like, okay. I'm a real estate agent. Look at that, right? <laughs> wow, what do I do next? You're better than me, Aaron. It took me three times to pass it, man. So. Well, I did one of those home study courses. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, they're kind of like cheating, right? They're like the questions, yeah. it's like, I'm looking at the questions that were exactly like on the home study course. I'm like, who are they paying? Like, where do they get this information? <laughs> it was great. So then I kept taking classes. I completed all the real estate classes they had. I mean, appraisal and, and everything, right? So I took all the classes they had. And then again, it was like a year later or something. I had my agent's license and or two years later. And I was looking, I was like, man, I got everything I need to give you a broker. And I went and took the broker's test and I passed that. And I was a licensed real estate broker and I'd never been to an open house. Wow. I mean, that's how... Well, this is why I don't like real estate agents because like, okay, now I'm going to put a suit on and call myself a professional and put right, my face on right. a bus bench, you know? So I was just like, it was a joke, right? There's no, uh -huh. there's no working at, well, they might've changed it, but at the time, if you had a college degree, which I have, there was no requirement for actually having ever done a listing or anything, right? It's like, oh, you just have these credits, right? Credits, so, right, right. Yeah, I mean, imagine if you just go to a bunch of school and like, hey, Omni Domni, you're a brain surgeon. You never had to actually work on anybody, but you're a brain surgeon. It's crazy. Well, yeah, and that, that hasn't changed much here lately because that's the way it is. You just go and pass the test and you hopefully- You need some you, field experience. Yeah, right? yeah. Hopefully you get with a good broker that's going to put you out there yeah. and show you the ropes. But if they you should don't, be like, you, you got to do 50 open houses or something, right? There's got to be some, some kind of <laughs> field work, right? So, I mean, you can't be an electrician without doing all this stuff, but you can play with hundreds of thousands of people's dollars, right? Right, so right. It's crazy. So, so I, here I am, a licensed real estate broker, had never even like done a listing or been to open house or done an offer. I would just call agents to buy houses. So- you know, now I'm licensed and I have money and I'm, and I'm thinking in my, in my very uneducated brain, oh, now I'm a broker. I can save money on commissions, right? I'm smart. <laughs> I'm savvy, right? It's so stupid, right? So uh, I did that a couple of times. Then I started to realize like you put two people at a table, right? You have an agent 
and you have a, a, a sorry, three people, a buyer, he's got a, a pile of cash and yep. an agent and he's got the deed to, I mean, let's just say theoretically a free and clear property. Right. Yeah. And then they have the agent like this in the middle. Right. Yeah. Waiting and for the that buyer, paycheck. Yeah. The buyer is going to slide all this money across the table and the, the, the seller is going to slide the deed to a free and clear property. And then the, the agent like so short thinking, right. I'm going to just take, two and a half percent out of that highly taxable income. And I'd be so happy. Like, look at me. I'm the smartest guy. And I was like, bro, that yeah. was hundreds of thousands of dollars. There was a free and clear house and you got taxable income. That's a horrible position to be in. So I was like, I don't ever want to be that guy. I want to be either the buyer or the seller. So I never worked as a real estate agent. And all this time I do list and sell my own houses, my rehabs. Okay. I have sold two houses that I didn't own two. That was it. And I've sold hundreds of houses, but only two of them were, a lady called me up. She's like, you have to sell my house. I'm like, I'm not, I will buy it, but I'm not selling. Right. She's right. Like, You're the guy. I know you can get it done. I'm like, I'm not doing it. She's like, you have it. She was a very sweet woman. She's an elderly woman. I was like, fine. I'll come to your house. I looked at the house and her house is beautiful, but I could tell what the issues were. She had all her crap in the house. Right. I'm like, mm -hmm. you gotta put all this stuff away. You gotta like act like you're selling the place. I'm like you right. don't have any intention. All your family pictures are on the wall, your crap's everywhere. <laughs> like, there's no intention of said people come in, they're like, you're never moving, right? I'm like, we gotta pack all this up and put it in your garage and make it look like they come in, they see the boxes, you're ready to go. And, and I was able to sell our house for it. And, and I did one more where I was close to getting the, the contract on it. I wanted to buy it, but uh, we were just, there just wasn't enough equity, but there was enough equity to sell it. And it was a big commission. So I was like, I'm going to sell your house for you. I'm like, I don't do this, but I, in this yep. deal, I know I can get it done. There's a lot of activity in your market. I want to do the deal. There's not enough equity to make sense for me to buy it, but I will sell it for you. And, and I did, I sold that house as well. So that's the only two times I worked as an agent or broker selling other people's stuff. And that's similar to me. And honestly, like I don't really do traditional real estate, you know, because I, a lot of times I don't like the hassle of one driving people around. Hey, do you like this house? don't you like this house, you know, and things like that. So I basically use it for, you know, cherry picking the deals that I want to keep rehabbing them and then, you know, flipping them, you know, but that was primarily the only reason why I had got my license similar to you, you know, so I, I always tell people, you know, that's one of the big questions they ask, well, should I get my license or shouldn't I get my license? I said, it depends on how far you want to go. And, you know, if you really want to yeah. make a career of it, you know, if you want to just do onesie, twosie deals, then maybe not, you know, but if you're going to go out and you're going to flip tons of houses, then you might as well get your license and save on that back end commission. It adds you know? up a lot. And it's so easy. I timed myself one time to go through all the disclosures that California is an insane disclosure state. It took me 20 minutes to do all the paperwork that's required to sell a house 20 minutes. Yep. And that's like a $10,000 job. You know I mean? The commissions on the houses I'm selling, they're usually around 10, 15,000. I was like, I'm not going to pay somebody $20,000 or, or 10,000 to do this job. That's yep. way too much. Right. And it's too easy to do. And then you can hire a transaction coordinator for a couple hundred bucks. And exactly. Then, so and the other problem is because I try to deliver a really nice product to the market on my rehabs, I couldn't find an agent that actually knew what they were doing. And the one time I hired a woman, she had a billboard in town, number one agent in the IE. I hired her to sell this house for me. And we were in escrow for like, it was a, $740,000 subject to the loan payment was huge. It was like more than okay. five grand a month. It was a really bad interest rate. And she was trying to sell this house. She had it in escrow for 1.1 million. 
and it wasn't going anywhere. It was just stalled out. And I kept calling him like, you got to do something. What's going on with this? And I had a six month listing or uh, yeah, listing with her yeah, agreement. Mm-hmm. She couldn't get it done. And, and then she finally says, Hey, we're ready to close. I'm like, all right, cool. But you know, this has been like a, a hundred day escrow. Right. I'm losing five grand a month and you're making a $25,000 commission. I don't think that's cool. I think you, and the worst part about it was that she double ended it. So she found the buyer. So oh, she was actually okay. making like $60,000. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, you need to step up and help me out. Cause I'm not going to pay you $60,000 when you drag this out for a hundred days. There's no reason for that. And she refused. And I was like, you know what? We're done. I'm not doing deal. I'm done with your buyer. I'm done with you. I canceled. I put it back on the market myself and I sold for 1.25 million. See, and saved, saved all of that money. Yeah. So I, I just, that made me realize that most of these agents, they don't understand copywriting. They don't understand, they just don't understand marketing at all. Mm-hmm. Right. They have very bad marketers. I mean, again, that goes back to the education side of it. They don't teach you any of that. Right, they teach you right. like how to separate, how to find the Northwest corner of the corner, Southeast. Yeah. Yeah, was like, <laughs> which is 15 years. I've never had a, you know, had an issue right. where somebody's like, well, I own the township and they're like, whatever. This is nonsense. Right. That's what they teach exactly. you. Right? Like, exactly. Exactly. So, so, so yeah, so I just sell my own stuff now. It's easier. My life is much easier. Uh, I have an agent who works for me now in office and he's asked to sell some stuff, but again, it's just so much easier for me to deal with it. Yeah. So. so tell me, Aaron, tell me about, okay, so you got this deal getting started because you needed some tax write-offs. That was the reason why you had got started. So tell me about that deal, man. I know you, you opened up the book, the magazine and said, I want that one. How did that, how did that deal shake out for you? So I would just call the agent. Actually, the house that I'm in right now is one of those. It, it said okay. in the you know it said in the in the magazine. And it's like Homes and Land or something. One of these magazines that said you know foreclosure opportunity. And I, and I came out and she's like, I called the agent up. And she's like, you want to go look at? It? I was like, sure. So we drove all the way out. I was in Irvine and mm-hmm. I moved to Riverside, which is, I mean, that's like going backwards, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but there was there was a motive behind that, and I'll I'll share that with you as well. So I, I came out, I looked at the house, it was all beat up. And I was like, man, this would be a good opportunity, opportunity for me to really learn the rehabbing process. And, and because I had the money, time wasn't a consideration. And, and I didn't understand numbers and I understand holding costs. The, the mortgage payment was like, I don't know, 1500 a month. That was nothing, right? Yeah, it easily, yeah. So I bought the house and I turned it into a project and I would be out on, so I was a subcontractor for large apartment developers. So we're building okay. 200, 300 apartment. I mean, I was just a sub. It wasn't my project. I was just doing windows. This also, this is when you were selling the windows to the, yeah, I was the estimator. Builders. So that's what okay. I was doing. I was asked, I was, I would get the architectural plans. I would just go through and do the estimating, prepare a bid, send it in. If we got the contract, then I got 5% of the contract. But most of our contracts were like, they were north of a hundred thousand. The average was over a hundred grand and there was no time for like five year period where I didn't have less than 30 jobs going. Gotcha. I mean, I was, I was working my yeah, ass off was and I was shipping windows actually from Tucson, a company out of Tucson was the main supplier and we were selling them all over the state of California. I had jobs going in the Bay area down all the way down to the border. So, okay. uh, so uh, I bought this house and I started going to the construction sites and I'd see some guy doing drywall, like, Hey man, you want to come out? on Saturday and, and show me how to do some drywall and I'll pay you. And they're like, yeah, all right, cool. So these guys would come out and I, and I brought an electrician and a plumber and I just learned so I used it in my <laughs> right. because I, I knew that I, I kind of had this inclination that I was going to go into this more because I was really enjoying it. Uh, but I didn't understand how to estimate any of this stuff. So I would have these guys come out and they'd, I'd have them just walk me through and show me everything. So this house that I'm in, 
we did everything on it the plumbing the electric the the um all, all new floor i mean like a like a typical rehab we did okay. it all new ac new hot water all of it and, and i just watched and learned and took notes and figured out how to so now uh i got to the point where i run my business now i never look at houses that i buy i ask a lot of questions and then mm. I just, I, I know based on the square foot, the age, the area that it's in, what my rehab costs are going to be. And I generally get it within probably a couple of grand. So, so you just do out, it. So you basically just have a phone call with the seller, find out the price, the square footage, and then you run the numbers on the price per square foot as far as the rehab. That's it. Yeah. Okay. And that's that price. And they're usually it, like 25 to $40 a square foot, depending on the location and the size. And that's what I tell people because I know a lot of wholesalers that's getting started. That's one of the things that they have problems with. Well, you know, do I need to have a contractor to come out and show me, you know, what the rehab budget is going to be? And I said, hey, you need to find out what the price per square foot on a rehab on a light, you know, fluff and buff flip, you know, a moderate flip and a total gut job. Once you have that, when you talk to the seller, you can find out, okay, this is a gut job. This is going to be, you know, 50 bucks a square foot to do the rehab 50 times, you know, 2000, you got your, your rehab budget right there, you know? So people sometimes make it a little bit harder than what it needs to be, but yeah, you hit it right on the head, Aaron. So here's the easy way is, is find a rehabber in your market and go talk to him and say, Hey, can you show me your last three deals and, and what you spent on them? And then you can go on Redfin or Zillow and look at the pictures yep. and, and ask him, Hey, can you just give me an idea of what your budget was on that? How much did you spend to get it? You don't need to know what he paid for the house or any of that. You just learn to rehab, look at the square foot, look at what he paid, you know, divide them and it'll tell you what he spent per square foot. You look at like three or four of them, you're going to see there's a ballpark, there's a range. Oh, on the low end, he's at 25 and the high end, he's at 35. So if you go $30 a square foot, you're going to save so much time going to look at these stinky ass cat pee yep. smelling houses, right? I mean, you just, so maybe some, like I have one where we were a little low, but on the next deal, we just budget a little higher and higher. penciled out. So on the two deals together, we're going to make 60000 So one of them, I, I came in a little low. I was probably at like 30 and it came in at 40 And the other one, I said, well, I'm going to make up for it on this one. <laughs> right, so I'll push it to budget, 50 and, and they're on the same street and I bought them from the same family. So it kind of worked out like, you know, it, it's no net loss to them. So Sweet, sweet. So how did you, how did you find those deals? So those two there, uh, one was marketing. We did, post, I, I do these very inexpensive, I don't have a copy of them around here, but I do very inexpensive, like this is not mine, but this would be a good, you know, just these okay. cheap, so cheap, a standard 40 postcard. Cents. yeah, just cheap postcards. Uh, so I do, I do just massive, you know, mail 5,000 a week, right? So we just okay. do a big, a big campaign. Uh, people call in, I do the pre-screening over the phone. I have about 10 questions I ask that gives me an idea. And honestly, I don't need to know nothing about the house. All they need to know is what's the address. That's it. Mm -hmm. Give me the address. And I tell you what I pay for it. Right. Gotcha. I'm just going to assume the worst. I'm going to assume it's a dump. I'm going to assume that there's a tenant in there or that it's, you know, it needs, it needs a, maybe an eviction or whatever. And I just give them a low ball offer. And, and if that sets a low price anchor, and like, oh, I would never sell that much. Okay, well, tell me about the house. Give me a little more information. Yep. And, oh, well, does it need a driveway? No. Okay, so it has a concrete driveway? Yeah, all right. Well, then I can pay a little bit more. Does it have AC? No. All right, well, that doesn't help me out. Does it have, how old is the roof? Oh, it's 10 years old. Okay, well, I can pay a little bit more, right? So yep. then you can start bringing them up and walk them up a little bit. And now they're like, oh, man, that, that sounds a lot better. better. So maybe I was at 180 and I get some more information out of them than just the address. Because you get these people like, oh, you know, here's the address. What are you going to pay? 
Yep. All right, I made a hundred grand. Does that work? Yep. No. All right, well then tell me about well, that. Maybe I made right. more. Let's have a conversation. I'll pay and you for information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing that I tell people. I say a lot of times you can vet these sellers over the phone, and you can find out all that you need over the phone. You know, you can find out you know how old the roof is, how old the AC unit is, so on and so forth, and you can generally find out what you can offer on that house right there and make the offer over the phone. You know, a lot of people think that, oh, I got to go and meet the seller and I got to do all of this. I mean, I can tell you within the last few years, it's been, I go and meet a seller if I want to, you know, yeah, but you I absolutely have don't have to. No, and there's know? no, there's no data. People will tell you, you make more, you, you, I don't, I don't buy it. I make more money sitting in my office writing offers than I will driving around. I mean, California is a big place. Yep. If somebody calls me from San Bernardino, that's an hour there and back, at least maybe an hour and a half drive there and back. And then I got to meet with them. And, you know, it's just a waste of my time. I'd rather call five or six motivated sellers that are ready. If they're not ready to do business with me over the phone, phone. they're probably not ready to do business with me or I'm not ready to do business with them. They're, that's yep. the 80, 20, right? They're the, they're the 80%. I don't want to deal with that. I want to deal with the 20% highly motivated people who have equity and will give me a yes over the phone. And they give me a yes and want me to go look at it after. I tell people, look, you sign the contract, I'll come spend all day with you. Yeah, if yeah. you're not going to sign a contract, if you're not willing to take my offer over the phone, I'm out. I, I got better things to do in my life. So. Gotcha, gotcha. That's, that's a great perspective. I mean, a lot of people don't look at it that way. You know, they figure, well, I can go and I can meet with the seller and, you know, play Mr. Nice Guy, Miss Nice Guy. Hey, if you're, if you're offered, because what I do is I give them a range. You know, once I get the information – from over the phone, me and my team, we say, okay, well, we can offer you between X and Y. One is a super low ball number, and then the other one is still a number that we can work with and still, you know, either wholesale a deal or flip the deal. And if they say, yeah, well, you know what, that sounds great. Let's do it. Then I'm like, okay, now I can send somebody out, you know, to take some pictures, stuff like that. There but, you, go. Yeah. you know, if, they, if they're just like, well, just come out and take a look at the house. Hey, I haven't seen a dozen houses, you know, this week. I don't have time to come out and just look at your house you know, and talk with you, you know, so I try and tell people that and sometimes they just don't understand, you know, that concept, but you, you definitely validate it right there, Aaron. I like to say, if I want to look at a crappy house, I'll just stay home. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't need to go all the way out to San Bernardino to look at your crappy house. I just stay home and look at my own, bro. So. Yep, yep. So, so you're doing, so your marketing strategy right now, you're doing postcards, um, to try and get deals. How, how's that been going? I've been doing postcards for more than 10 years and it always works. It always works. Your cost per deal has gone way up. It used to be, I think at one time at the peak, I got it down to about $1,800 in, in, uh, in overhead, just direct mail. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's not all the other overhead, you know, having an office or whatnot. Right. I never had an office. Like my first office was a, a house that it was a foreclosure and we just camped out in there. We ran an office out of it for like, it took them like probably a year and a half or two years to foreclose on the house. Okay. So we just had a free office for years, big, <laughs> right. huge, big, huge custom home in Corona. So <laughs> oh, sweet, so, sweet. Yeah, then they foreclosed with, we moved to uh, uh, Panera bread. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, wow, so much for that. So yep, mobile station, now. huh? <laughs> yeah. So like, well, I'll be there. So, um, uh, where are we going? Uh, so, the marketing. Oh yeah, yeah. So like I was at about 1800. Now today it's probably closer to 45, 5,000 in that range to buy a house. So that all that means is you just got to spend more money. It doesn't mean yeah. there's less deals out there. So instead of spending, 
uh, 10 grand and getting four houses, three or four houses, I got to spend 10 grand. I buy two, but I'm still making good profit still margins. And it money. still makes sense to do it. Yeah. So. And that's what I, I, cause I posted a, um, I posted a comment on, you know, bigger pockets and I said, Hey, is social media dead, not social media, but is direct mail dead, Never. you know? And everyone that I spoke to was like, no, I just closed the deal last week. I just closed the deal this week from, from social, from uh, direct mail. But then when you go on social media, all of the gurus are saying direct mail is dead. You got to do this now. You got to do that. You know, I got something to sell you. That's why, man. Exactly. Exactly. Gary, Gary Halbert's a famous, he's deceased now, but he's a famous copywriter. And he said, all the world's problems can be solved with a good sales letter, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so if you got a good enough sales letter, you can solve all the world's problems. So, yep. And I mean, I'm I'm still getting deals, you know, from direct mail. We do add some other strategies sure, along with it. Pony. Yeah. yeah, but for for people just to say that direct mail is dead, I, I just don't believe that, and I got the proof to show it. You yeah, know, me so, too. I'm rehabbing yeah. eleven houses right now. So. Wow. So, and, and all of that from, well, the majority of it's from direct mail or I've actually some bought of a, from few, a few, yeah, no direct mail. Uh, a couple of them are from uh, social media, actually uh, wholesalers posting on social media or me going on social media saying, Hey, I'm looking for houses and guys will contact me and say, Hey, I got this one here and that one there. So um, yeah, a little bit of everything we do. Some, I got a big deal in from right from the MLS. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's mostly direct mail buying off other wholesalers because like I said, the market, I believe the market's good. It's going to stay good for a while. A lot of these doom and gloom people, they're not mm -hmm. economists. They're just like, it's a funny feeling in their butt or something like, Oh, yeah. the market's going to tank. It's like, dude, it ain't going to happen. That 2008 stuff was an anomaly. You missed it. It ain't coming yeah. back around. Yeah. You're not buying houses for 60 grand again. It's not going to happen. How is it going to take with 3% interest rates? You know, that's yeah, it's like <laughs> every loan in the last, what, 2008 now it's been what 12 years every single loan in the last 12 years has been a 30-year amortized under five percent who's going to lose that to foreclosure yeah yeah i mean if if they lose their house foreclosure they're going to come rent for me and pay more pay more exactly. it doesn't make any sense so it's just like it's not going to happen right so uh there might be a softening or a flattening but a, a a massive i mean it has to be some black swan event like coronavirus explodes and goes crazy which it's yeah. not, nothing like the flu and the flu is killing lots of people every year and people are still buying houses. So it's going to be some black swan event that, that happens. And I just don't see it. And I talk, I talk to, and I follow a lot of other people and they all feel the same way. Like the market's good. The loans that they've, they've all written have been great. The, mm -hmm. the economy's good. So we got plenty of, plenty of more swing in this. And so okay. I'm going to keep riding it out. And when it does slow down or get bad, then I'll just turn everything I'm flipping to a rental property yeah. and I'll sit on them and wait. So, so what do you think um, someone just that's freshly getting started, that's new, what do you think they should do, you know, in order to get into real estate, just from your opinion? If they're going to go the wholesale route, and I think your podcast is about primarily about wholesaling, correct? Yep. yep. I would say becoming like, it's so easy to buy a house. It, it doesn't take a lot of knowledge, right? You, once you learn, you figure out, all right, in my market, it costs this much per square foot for rehab. I'm comfortable talking to sellers. I, you know, just go out and talk to people on the street. Say, hey, how you doing? You know, just, it's just a conversation. You don't need any tricky yep. uh, lingo. It's just a conversation, right? So you get comfortable talking to people. You, it comes down to how good are you at marketing? You have to study marketing. So become a student of marketing because this is not, it's real estate investing, but it's not a real estate investing business. It's a marketing business. 
right? We all have Absolutely. to be good students of marketing and that should never end. You should constantly be striving to become a better copywriter, a better marketer, or just hire somebody who can do it for you that can do and it let them you. do it. And then you can focus on the other stuff because people are like, they think they need to go to a negotiation seminar. And all. You don't, nobody's going to teach you magic words. They don't exist. <laughs> yeah. There's objection handlers that don't always work, but there's objection handlers to help you get past the nose and there's mindset when you hear a no, it doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. It just, it, mean, it just means not yet. Yeah. Right? No, yeah. it means it, that's all it means. It's not yet. You haven't convinced me yet. You haven't, you haven't cleared up the questions in my mind yet. So you've done a bad job at, at convincing these people that you're the right decision for what they need to do. So I would say focus on marketing, become great. Look at the marketing in, in your market. And what is everybody doing? If you drive around, you see bandit signs and every single one of them says, we buy house, we buy then come up with a different niche, some, yeah. some different message that people see and it's slightly different and it, and it captures their attention and they call you. So. Great, great point, Aaron. So guys, you hear it right there from a professional, focus on marketing. You know, um, like you said, if it's bandit signs, if it's direct mail, if it's social media, you guys gotta spend your energy on focusing on marketing. Here, let me give you a tip, let me give yep. you a tip. Uh, driving for dollars, super popular these days, right? Yep. So the average guy who drives for dollars is going to get one of these really crappy apps. They're going to pull up in front of the house. They're going to th- and they're going to send a letter, just like every other dude in the market, right? So uh, one of my friends, he drives for dollars, but he was on Craigslist and he saw somebody who's giving away a parrot, right? He's mm-hmm. like, parrot, I'll take a parrot. So he went and got the parrot, right? Parrots live to be like a hundred years or something crazy. It's like, dude, you got to will that thing to somebody. Why are you getting a parrot? <laughs> That's not a pet you want, right? But he's got the parrot and now he goes when he drives for dollars he gets out of the car he's got the parrot on his shoulder and he knocks on the door who do you think they're going to talk to yeah. right who's not going to answer the door for a dude with a parrot on his parrot, shoulder right, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? that's the exact same thing that everybody else is doing but he's doing it a little bit, a little different. bit different so we i have people that that i i coach and i have people that i have a buying team and you know so uh we do it slightly different too. We do what's called a leave behind, right? So when we go and we drive for dollars, we don't just put it in an app and then send a postcard because that's a waste of your time. It's yeah, a waste of a mailman's yeah. time, right? Everybody and their brothers doing the same thing. Go out and stick a bandit sign in the front lawn that says we buy houses. Um, you don't think you're getting a phone call from that? Yeah. Why are you putting this in my front lawn? Like, I'm so sorry, man. Like it is immediately apologetic and humble. Yeah. Sorry. I, just, I, just, I love that house. I want to move to that neighborhood. I want to buy it. Conversation started, right? Put something on the front door. Put, you know, do something that. Yeah, be creative. Yeah, do a leave behind. Figure something out. Like, so one thing we were doing, we used to mail out, uh, and we're going to start doing it again because now the mail has to stand out more. There's a lot of people mailing. So I actually bought, I went on uh, one of these, uh, you know, you go on and you can buy junk from the internet, like in bulk, right? Mm-hmm. So we bought bank bags. Right. Like the oh, old wow. school bank yeah. bag. You, yeah. you can mail those. Like you can tape the zipper down and you can address them with a Sharpie and you can, the post office will mail that for wow. you. So we would mail them a bank bag, you get a bank bag. And I'm like, what? They're opening what? that shit yeah, up. Right? Yeah. Who so, wouldn't? <laughs> so that's just like a bulky mail style. Right. So, you know, mail out something bulky where I'm trying to look around my office, what I might have. Uh, so like most people are doing like, you know, they do like uh, an envelope like this and have some writing on it. Right. Yep. So, Funny, this is a big ass envelope of cash sitting on my desk. Oh, see. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell people where I live, man. <laughs> so, uh, 
I, I didn't mean to do that. So uh, my buddy was showing me uh, uh, the envelope that he got from a seller. The, so he got this envelope, and but on it, he put stickers all over it. The seller did, right? Wow. And it took like, like if you got a kid in your house, where I don't see any, my dad got a daughter, but I don't see any of her stickers around here. Yeah, here you go. Perfect. Look at all the stickers on the back of yep. her tablet, right? Yep. You put a couple of those on the outside of the envelope, just like on the back, you know, on a, Who's not going to like, what is this? What is this? Like, yeah. They're going to open it up. Maybe it takes you a bit longer. You know, give your kids, uh, you know, uh, five bucks an hour to sit there and put stickers on for you. Right. You know, pay them and, or whatever. Have a kid in the neighborhood come over and do it or have your wife or whatever. You do it while you're watching a movie, put on Netflix and just stick her envelope. Right. Yep. Yep. Make your stuff stand out. Do something slightly different, a little more creative. Be the odd egg. Those are the people who get attention. Right. If you just look at Instagram, you know, I can go out and post Instagram all day long and I got 10,000 followers, but the kid who's doing like, I was watching these guys last night for hours. They're so funny, man. They're like, they're just walking on the street and he says to the guy, he's like, who's a pretty girl. And he's like, I am. And cause they're in front of like some wig story. He's like, he's like, uh -huh. you got to go in and do that. Right. So every, they got 4 million followers because followers. they do silly, it's stupid silly stuff, stuff. Right. Yep. It's so stupid. Right. But that's what gets people's attention. So you have to stand out and, and so just become a better marketer, stand out, make your stuff different. And, make it. and that's what people are, are afraid to do because you know, the gurus, they always pitch, okay, well you have to do A, B, and C, one, two, and three in order to get a deal, you know, but you have to use that creativity in order to, to get that deal. Cause we, we do bulky mail, you know, we'll send, you know, a regular envelope with an eraser or something in it, you know, so they fill it and they like, Oh, well, what is this? You know? Um, but you got to find ways for them to open up the mail. You got to find a ways for them to look at your marketing piece and decide to want to give you a call back. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Aaron. you got to be creative. You got to do some different things. So tell me, um, you know, what, what contributes to your success as a real estate investor? I, I think it's my curiosity. So as an entrepreneur, I mean, I'm a, I'm a hard, like my first, uh, fan, I was a fan of uh, Michael J. Fox when he was on Family Ties, and he was just like hustling, hustling. Like want to be a bank, yeah. right? I mean, I was like addicted to that show because I like watching him be that entrepreneurial guy. I was a kid, and I was out shoveling. I, I remember trying to trying to mow lawns, and the neighbors were like, "You're too little, man. You're gonna fall under the lawnmower." They wouldn't give me jobs. I mean, I was always hustling for money. Mm -hmm. uh, so because I like that that creativity, so I just think my curiosity, like. What, what can I do? What is, can I make the impossible or the, the impossible, not impossible, right? Okay. I mean, because the sky's the limit. You can do anything you want. The only thing holding you back is yourself, is your own limiting beliefs. You can do anything you want. Uh, I, I'm more of a pursuer of quality or quantity of life, I guess you say, instead of, I'd be quality of life instead of quantity of life. Mm -hmm. I, I, I value my time, uh, like I highly, highly value my time. Uh, I have a, I'm an older dad. I'm 48. Okay. I have a four year old daughter. You don't get to 44 years of age. Right. And, <laughs> and not be set in your ways. And then like you have a daughter at 44 and you're like, Whoa, this is yeah, not going to happen this again. Is different. Right. This is a one, I mean, this is a one time opportunity. So I will spend if, if it, 15 seller calls coming in or go pick my daughter up from school. I'm going to spend time with my daughter from school. Right. Gotcha. And I hate to bring it up, but because it's such a heart wrenching thing, but you look at the Kobe Bryant situation. 
he worked his ass off for 20 years. Yep. He worked his ass off. He missed a lot of times with his kids to the point where he got a helicopter just so he could spend time with his yep. kids. And then he passed away. Two years into retirement. Two years into retirement. Two, I mean, now he has all the money and all the time in the world and he's gone, right? So don't think that you have forever because you don't. You, you never don't. know. So I try to think like, is yesterday a day I would, if I had to live my life over again, is yesterday a day I, I would want to repeat? Is gotcha. that a day that I would want to live again? And if it's not, then I don't want to do that shit ever again. Whatever it was, I, like look, my tools, I have no calluses on my hands. I don't own any tools. Like this is it. The only tool I want to master is the pen. That's it. Yep. I want to write. I want to write offers. I want to write letters. I don't want to like waste my time in the backyard pruning plants and pushing a lawnmower around or changing the oil on my car. This okay. stuff, my time is so much more important than that. And yours is too. Right. Absolutely. Your time is way too important to be messing around with it. There's guys out there that want to do that for you. Guys, girls, whatever. They want to do that for you. They're happy to do it for you. They're happy to trade their hours for dollars. Give them the dollars and focus yeah. on something like figure out in your business. What's the high, the biggest, the, like the most highest revenue generating practice, the, the task in your office, only do that. And, and do nothing right, else. And Outsource that's all of it. Offers. That's it. Know. Outsource talking to sellers is it. Like yep. maybe it's maybe you have a buying team, so it's coming up with a better marketing strategy, or dialing in your marketing, or a better message, or you finding a copywriter, a good one that you can mm -hmm. interview to find out if that person can do it for you. If you don't have the ability to do that, right? Right. So it, it, you have the value of your time because you just never. I got up probably a little over a year ago and I went surfing and. The next thing I know, I was face down in the water, paralyzed from the neck down. I was wow. dying, drowning in the water. They pulled me out of the water. Some bodyboarder guys pulled me out. They resuscitated me on the beach. They took me to the hospital. And I walked to the hospital the next day. It was a miracle, right? I mean, unbelievable. That wow. I just, basically, what happened was like you bang your funny bone and your arm uh -huh. goes numb. I did that to my neck. I banged my, the funny bone in my neck. And I, uh, yeah, I was... Oh wow! You never know. I didn't expect to die yeah. that day. I got yeah. up to go surfing and I was going to come back and hang out with my daughter and just like that. You never know, right? So you have to live your life to the fullest. So for me, this for me right now is something that I, I highly value is sharing my story, my experiences with other people, trying to come up and make it because I've been there. I was in the seat in the audience all the time. Now I'm on the stage, but I was mm -hmm. in the seat in the audience like trying to figure out, like grasping for straws. Like I don't get this business. There's right. so much to learn. It's not hard. It's not a hard business. Once you figure it out, you'd be like, why, why did it take me so long? Why? Yeah. You just got to jump in and you have to have faith that it does work. And sometimes it takes getting that first deal before you think, all right, they're not all a bunch of liars. Right. <laughs> right. That's true. That's true. So right. you get that first one. You're like, it does work. It's actually it a real thing. It is real. You can do it. Anybody can do it. Anybody can do this business. I'm not a smart guy. Anybody, I, I never excelled at anything. I, you know, I went to the Navy after high school because I had no other options. It was Navy or be homeless. You know, I mean, I had no other. I mean, seriously, I right. didn't know what it was. I had no skills at all. So I went to the military and I got the GI Bill and I went to a crappy state college. So I, yeah, I have a degree, mm -hmm. but it's not worth anything. It was a horrible, horrible, crappy state college, like low, low tier. But, so, you know, and it, so, so, and how did you, um, because you talk about that mindset, you know, and saying, okay, well, until I get that first deal, what did you do, you know, to keep yourself motivated and going until you got that first deal? And then once you got that first wholesale deal, what was next? Super easy. I surrounded myself with people that I wanted to become. Super easy. Think and grow rich. 
right? Okay. You create a mastermind and you surround yourself with the type of people that you want to become. And you have to, unfortunately, make that decision to divorce some of your existing relationships. You have to. And I don't mean your wife. And right, maybe, right. Or your right. girlfriend. I mean, uh, sorry, your wife or your husband, because there could be women on here as well. Yeah. It's just, unfortunately, this injury is so dominated by men that you tend to think in terms right, of... Right, right. So I don't mean to divorce your spouse, but maybe that's something yeah. you need to do. If they don't have I, a don't similar mindset. Yeah. But my wife doesn't have the same mindset. We get along. My wife's actually in India right now traveling for a month, right? Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. She wanted to go. I was like, go, fly, have fun. I'm going to stay here, hang out with my daughter. I don't want to take her to India. She's too little. And we'll just hang out and I'll work. I don't mind. So you, what I mean is your toxic friendships, right? Mm -hmm. So I have zero friends that I went to high school with. Zero I relate to them anymore. I mean, they're good people. We just don't have the same mindset. Right. So to get to that, see, here's the thing about relationships. If I put you in a, a group of friends that just want to smoke weed, drink beer, and play video games, they're going to drag you down. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. you're going to be smoking weed, drinking beer, and playing video games every night of the week, right? Because it's fun. It's a good time. You hang yep. out with your boys, right? But if I put you in a room full of uh, entrepreneurs, they all got like 10 million net worth, they're making a million dollars a year, they're going to pull you up, right? They're going to like, so here's a perfect example that my buddy said, hey, let's go to Patagonia and go fly fish. I love to fly fish, right? I like to be in outdoors and trekking and doing that stuff. He's like, let's go on this fly fishing trip. And I was like, man, I'd love to go. That seems really expensive, right? But I, I, I can probably figure it out. He's like, no, no, we're going to go. We're going to go. So he gets a deal. He sends it to me. He says, hey, find a buyer for this and I'll split it with you. Then we'll have the money for our trip. Sweet. I was like, dude, right? He right. pulled me up, right? He want to go. He want to hang out with me. Nobody else wants to go with him. So he made it possible for me to go with him by giving me that deal he could have sold it himself right right he's just like hey go sell this let me whatever you get for it we'll split it and then we got the money to go on our trip so this happens again and again and i would do a lot of these trips in the early years where uh i would find like these lone wolf guys like unmarried guys that just hardcore real estate and we would go on these trips like three-day camping trips and just windshield time right yeah talk like we yep. go up to the sierras and it's eight hour drive and we just talk about business the whole way up like doing funny comedy, like what's the, what's the shortest sales letter you could write to get somebody to, to, uh, respond. Right. I mean, so, mm -hmm. <laughs> so you, well, you and, that's, and that's good because it, it makes your brain kind of, kind of throw that switch on and say, okay, well, if he's doing this over here, how can I mi mimic that or mirror that or implement that in my business? And exactly. like I said, it's, it's that, that power of influence. You got to have that right influence around you. So you, you have these people, you, you have these people around you, mentors, colleagues or whatever, um, that brought you to another level. Once you got to that, once you got that first deal, um, what did it I look bought like? The first, the first real deal I bought off a wholesaler. So okay. when I bought this house, I was living in Irvine, I bought this house in Riverside and I kept going to, to the monthly RIAs. And in California, there's a ton of them. You could go almost every night of the week, yeah. right? So I was like, once a week, I would go to RIA, go to RIA. And I was going travel. I was driving all the way down to San Diego, hour and a half one way. I would drive down on a Wednesday night and go to a meeting and then drive home. And maybe the next night there was one in Oceanside, you know, another hour and a mm -hmm. half. And I would drive. So people are like, oh, it's too far. No, nah, that's just limiting beliefs. And, yep, you know, that's yep. you, 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 you telling the world you don't really want to do the business, right? Yep. I would drive down, you know, eat at Polo Loco or whatever and go to the meeting and then come home. And I kept hearing the same name over and over again, wholesaler, wholesaler. I was like, man, I want to learn what this guy is doing. I want... So I actually moved to this house in Riverside because it was in his market. And I thought if I could get closer to that guy, he could teach me the business. And then the market started to slow down in 2007. 
So a lot of his buyers had now tapped out. They're like, yeah, eh, the market's yep. changing. It's getting weird. I'm out. So I, I actually went into him at a, at a meeting and uh, I, you know, I kind of introduced myself, said, Hey, I heard you're selling houses yet. And I said, well, I'm, I'm interested in buying. And, and I had equity lines of credit on some of the houses that I bought because the market was, you know, early 2000s, the market was going crazy. Right. You could call up and get an equity line of credit. I mean, they barely did an appraisal. So I had, a, I had money, right? So I had access to money, but it doesn't mean you can't get private lenders or yeah. hard money, right? There's lots of money out there chasing deals. So I said, well, I'm looking to buy. And he wholesaled me a house. And I, I didn't know anything about construction. I mean, I knew how to look at an architectural set of plans, but I didn't know anything about rehabbing a house. So I went to another meeting. He sold me that house. I, I didn't even go look at it. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. I'll buy it. I had no idea what I was doing. I just bought it based on his reputation. Don't do wow. this. Right? Because there's a lot of bad wholesalers out there now. Back then, there were very few people wholesaling. Yeah. There were very few. I mean, I knew probably three or four guys that were wholesaling. Everybody else was just buying and rehabbing. So, you know, now the market's flooded with them. But you also remember, this is like, I don't even think Facebook was a thing back then. This was early 2000s, you know, so maybe it had just started coming out. But uh, uh, so I bought the house sight unseen, didn't know anything about it. I bought it and then went to another meeting. I'm like, hey, I need a, a, a guy to rehab this house. And he, the, one of the guys was like, well, I'm slowing down. You know, you can have my guy or one of my guys. You can use him because he needs work. So I called this guy up and he met me at the house and I, I had no, I, I mean, zero clue what I was doing. He's like, hey, here's what we got to do. This is how bad it was. He's like, we got to put, we got to cut pieces of plywood and stick them in the eaves. So when the guy with the ski pole, the termite guy comes through and taps, he hits something hard and he just hard. keeps moving. Yeah. That's horrible, right? <laughs> but I didn't know. I'm like, okay, that makes sense, right? Because he didn't want to have to put a new roof on it. And right. That's bad to do. I did not know that. So, but we did, I did whatever he said to do. We got the house rehab, had a lot of problems with him. Uh, but the house got finished. I list cause I was a broker. I listed it. Didn't know what I was doing. It took me forever to get the listing right before they would even accept uh -huh. all these errors. And then I got an offer. I got a couple offers in cause the market was still moving along. I got a couple offers in and I had no idea how to decide which one to take. I'm like, I mean, this is my first flip. I'm like, I, I got all these offers. I'm like, so I knew there was an agent in my neighborhood who was active and I went and knocked on our door. I said, Hey, uh, I got these offers. I'm selling this house. I don't know which one to take. Can you look them over for me? Can you help me with the disclosures? I'll pay you a thousand dollars. And she's like, yeah, all right. So she picked one. She's like, this is the one I would go with. And then she gave me all the disclosures. I copied them all. So I ended up closing that transaction. I made about 25 grand on it. And after that, I was like, ah, I was hooked. I was this gone. is I was it. Like, oh, huh. I'm doing. So I went back to that wholesale again. I'm like, got another one. He's like, yeah, I got another one. And I ended up buying, I became his number one buyer after that. I just bought everything he had. Well, uh, well, the main thing, Aaron, is you was resourceful. You didn't know, but you said, hey, you know what? I'm going to get in here and I'm a, one, I'm either going to figure it out or I'm going to go to someone that I, that I believe know. So you got a real a broker that lives down the block. And hey, I going. found her, the guy who referred me to the, sorry to jump in, but I just want to yep. make the connection. The guy who referred me to the, to the rehab guy, and he wasn't a licensed contract. Like now I only use licensed contractors. Right. But this was just a dude who had some tools, right? <laughs> and a truck. He had some tools and a truck, right? Probably a felony record. Too. Right, I had, right. had a lot of problems with that guy. But that guy who referred me, the, the rehabber who referred me to the contractor, also, he, that was the agent that he used. That's how I had heard her name. I okay. tapped into my network, right? It wasn't I went out and tried to figure this out on my own. It's already been done. I just done, tapped yeah. my network. Like, who do you use? Who do you know? Can you give me a referral? 
So I got these referrals and I just went out and pursued them. So yeah, I used my resources. Yep. So, so tell me, tell me, Aaron, tell me about your best deal, man. What's, what's your best deal that you've done? Um, and how did it shake out? Best deal. So I think it's hard to, to put a number on that or like, which one is that an address to that? Because I've had a lot of great deals for different reasons. Like I had a deal where I mailed postcards. I was trying out a new postcard or probably a letter or something. I was trying it out. I mailed 5,000. I got zero phone calls from it. I mean, it was a complete bomb. And then wow. two weeks later, a woman called me. I ended up buying and closing on the house and, and I didn't want to rehab it. I was short on funds after buying and closing. I was like, man, what am I going to do? And I contacted one of my friends who was a buyer. He's a rehabber. And I said, hey, would you be interested in kind of like wholesaling me, wholesaling you this, even though I already own it? He's like, yeah, yeah. And I made 50000 on that deal. Net. Wow. I walked away at 50 grand after closing on it. So if I had just straight wholesaled it, I would have made like 55000 Yeah. Right? Uh, probably more because I actually pulled a hard money loan and everything. So I probably made like 57, 58 grand. But it, it just came with the territory of not understanding my numbers and just kind of diving into the pool head first without even checking to see if there's water in there. Right? I, I just... When it comes to the money, I'm not scared, right? I know mm -hmm. I can always go make more. So I'm, I'm not terrified of losing money, right? There's no debtor's gotcha. prison. So I don't care. I'll do a deal. If it doesn't work out, eh, well, I'll do another deal. And I'll make up for it. So uh, it's just my attitude, right? So uh, I think my best deal is one I haven't done yet. That my biggest okay. deal is still out there waiting, right? I'm always gotcha. have that curiosity. So I've done, I did a deal one time where, I flipped the house and I got like a $40,000 check out of it. I thought it wasn't going to go. I, it was a house that I bought subject to. The house was in foreclosure and I couldn't find a buyer and I couldn't find a buyer. And then they were going to foreclose on Monday was the auction. On Friday, we got a, we got a, we closed. We were able to wow. get it all done. Like it was a 45 day escrow. And so I took that check and I went straight to the Toyota dealer and I bought it, you know, I cashed a check. Obviously, <laughs> and I, I bought a brand new car. I'm like, that's that house that I'm always going to be able to remember right, right. where that deal came from. I bought a brand new truck. So, um, yeah, I've had referrals that turned into bigger deals and I bought entire estates from people. So I, I just think that being eternally optimistic that my best deal is yet to come. There's still another okay. big fat deal out there. Sweet, sweet. So tell, tell me about this team. I know you keep mentioning your team, your acquisitions team. You know, how many people is it and kind of what do they do for you? Sure. I have uh, one guy who's in my office. He's a licensed agent, but he does a lot of acquisitions. So he's talking to all the wholesalers. He's dealing with all the follow-up calls, taking the seller calls that come in. He's talking to agents. He's searching the MLS. He kind of does all that. Uh, and then I have an office, an assistant, and she basically – is manning the incoming calls, pre-screening people, uh, okay. working on my list. Like today, she's working on my list. She does a lot of my, I have a lot of rental properties now. So she does uh, a lot of the tenant screenings and, and renting up my houses. So, uh, and okay. then I have a couple of VAs that I tap into from time to time. And I have two people doing uh, kind of the driving for dollars and some small marketing campaigns. They, they have full-time jobs or doing other stuff, but they're interested in the business. So they've, okay. they've come out of my team kind of just, doing their own little niche list so that so, that's it and i yeah. didn't even i didn't have that until like less than a year ago i got to where i'm at working from home in this room actually just like there were many days i was just like i'm not gonna work today work, I'm just yeah. gonna go fishing in the mountains and go hang out with my daughter or, yeah just take off for a week i used to go to india for like six weeks seven weeks a year 
But see, you, you, you're doing all of these deals. I mean, you got how many flips you got going up right now? You I'm, said like I'm doing 11? a I'm doing eleven flips. Uh, I'm buying an eight unit commercial building that I'm going to convert into residential. Okay. Uh, I'm doing a development deal where I'm taking that's a small development, not really development. I'm I bought a one bedroom house and I'm going to turn it into a two bedroom house. So you know okay. that we got to go through the city for the permits. And in California, it's very difficult to do this. It takes a long time to get permits and all the approvals. Yeah, and everything. political. So, you know, yeah, yeah it's very, well, it's, it's a money grab. They want money, yeah. right? So, uh, yeah, that's it for right now. So, and I have yeah, one whole one wholesale deal in the, in in the pipeline. So. Yeah, but you you're doing a lot with a small team. I mean, because I know some sometimes you talk to some of these massive wholesalers and they're like, well, we got you know six acquisitions guys we got four disposition guys and so on and so too forth. much man yeah and, and i say sometimes you know you just have to keep it small and you say you've been doing it all by yourself you know up to a year and a half ago and you've been doing this for 15 years and so, my net worth is probably bigger than most of those guys anyway so <laughs> yeah so so it just, because i've asked if you i'm like come on dude let's go what, let's have a dick measuring contest which where, where you at you right. find out the, the biggest posting on social media, the guy's like, he's like, yeah, I'm on a million. I'm like, a million? I'm like, I made a million last year. What the <laughs> hell are you talking about, dude? Like, yeah, you're, all, so, you're, you're everywhere. Tell everybody how rich you are, dude. So, yeah, so never, it just, never buy into that shit. It's all yeah, marketing. It's, and it's just proof to the people that you don't have to have, you know, this massive organi organization or massive agency or anything like that in order to, to really do quite a few deals. You know, and you got a couple of people doing some direct mail postcards and some online um marketing and your relationships that's basically yeah. basically it okay yeah. sounds good so guys you hear that so right now Aaron, lean and mean man lean and mean and that's the way to go so man. my my mentor said to me that uh when your overhead exceeds your income your outflow will be your downfall or your outgo will be your downfall yeah right? so you keep taking on the you keep ramping up the lifestyle keep taking on those debts and those obligations and and keep having people depend on you for a livelihood and yep. keep growing and growing and growing. And then the market's going to slow down or something's going to change. That black swan event's going to happen. And the market has been going for so long that it's, it's like shocking to the smartest economists yeah, in the world. They're like, this is, this is crazy. You know, people can't even understand it. There's so much government intervention, but something at some point will cause things to slow down. The market will change. And when you've got all that overhead, you're not going to cut it off fast enough. You're right. going to keep believing because I've seen it time and again. Yeah. I've seen guys. I had a friend who had a Ferrari and a huge house and he owned a tire store and he had he was doing tons and tons of uh, rehabs and he had $50,000 a month in marketing. Lost it all. Everything. Got divorced. Lost everything. All of it. Yep. So I've seen that. I have that story more than I have the story of the guy who made a bunch of money and, and got out of the game safe. Mm -hmm. That story actually I can count on one hand. Most yeah, people I mean, grow, 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 and then they they grow too much, and they don't they don't adjust as the market changes. Yeah, their their overhead eats them alive, and it just sucks all their profits out because they don't and want it to end. Yeah, and it's like having that that healthy balance. You got to know, okay, well, the market there is pulling back. You know, what should I do? You know, what do I need to do? But like you said, people always believe, hey, that next big deal is going to happen. It's going to get me back, you know, even par, and then I'll be able to build from there. You know, so. Yeah. Well, how do I have, you? I have dozens of houses with six figures in equity. Dozens of them. 
Like people are like, oh, where's your Lamborghini? Oh, it's it's parked out there on the corner of Cedar Street and Rialto. I got matching <laughs> yeah, Lamborghinis yeah. next door to each other. I just haven't cashed them out yet. <laughs> right, right, right. Hey, I got them. They sitting there. <laughs> One house I owe about twenty five grand. It's worth it's worth at least three hundred fifty thousand, and the twenty five grand is payable. That's all that's left on it. Five hundred dollars a month principal only reduction payments. Right. And what are you renting it for? Uh, I just raised the rent. I think I get thirteen fifty out of that. Hour. Okay. The rent's low, but they've been there for more than ten years. The rent's yeah, a so low. Yeah, so so you constantly got that money coming in, right. man, and every month. And that's the thing. That is the thing. So how do you manage? You know, you got your team. How do you manage your team? I know you're working from home. Are you using some kind of system or just picking so up the phone? A couple of months ago, I rented a closet at this executive suite center. I mean, it's, it's a tiny, tiny little office. It's 500 bucks a month because I didn't want my assistant coming to my house. Like gotcha. this is my, this is my domain. This nobody comes in here. Right. Yep. So uh, I didn't want her coming here. So I rented a little space down the road and she goes there. So uh, yeah. So we just check in via text message. She's just texted me now, actually. So we just, we, we check in text message. I go to the office three times a week for five hours each time. That's it. Okay. And usually it's less than that. Like Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, I go to the office. And the only reason why I go to the office those three days is because those are the three days that my daughter's in preschool because she's okay. got to learn the alphabet. I can't teach her that shit. Like, I'm yep. just, <laughs> that's beyond my scope of ability. I cannot teach a child the alphabet. So that's, there you go. How can you make a figure rental portfolio and not teach a child the child alphabet? alphabet you have to right. pay somebody to do that. So, uh, it, you don't, you don't need to be a genius to do this business. So I go in at, at the best, I will hit five hours, but generally it's like three to four hours. And, okay. and then I do a little bit here, you know, and I have a beach house down in Huntington and I'll do a little bit of work there in the evenings after my daughter goes to bed, but not a lot. Uh, okay. you know, I just try to find people that, that are driven and pay them well right? You, you compensate people. They're, they're taking so much off, so much burden off you. Why hoard all the money? Like yeah. money's for, yeah. so I'm in strategic coach. I don't know if you know what that is. It's a Dan Sullivan. He's, they, they teach entrepreneurs okay. how to be better at being entrepreneurs and how to, how to basically have a hands-off business. And he had this thing, uh, this exercise where you write down, and if you're watching this, I encourage you to do this, write down what age you think you're going to die and be realistic, write down. And then you write down and, and at, at that age, you write down kind of like what you feel like you've accomplished and what you've done, how your life is right at the day you die. And then you say, okay, now go back a year. And, and if you're watching this, pause it, right? Take the time to do this, write down like how you, how you visual your life on the day of your death. Right? So pause that, do that. Right? So now you've come back and you say, all right, a year before your death, how does your life look like? Like, tell me everything. How's your health? How's your resting heartbeat? How a heartbeat? How's your, how flexible are you? Uh, like, tell me about your family, your friends, the people that you're surrounded by, what kind of house you live in, what your business looks like. Right. Yep. So write that down. Right. So pause this, write that down, right? Take that time right now and do it. This is an amazing, it's a mind expanding exercise, right? So you write that down and now you've done that. You've come back to the, to the podcast. You look at what you wrote down on the day you die. Let's say we both pick 90. And at 89 years old, we wrote down what our life looks like. I guarantee you both of us wrote, we're going to be great shape. We're going to be flexible, yeah. healthy. Our resting heart rate's going to be like 40. We're going to feel good. We're going to have money coming in. It's going to be flowing through me, you know, to me and through me, right? And then you say, well, if you're all that at 89, how the hell are you going to die at 90? Die at 90, yeah. Right? How you that? So now 
I want you to write down what you really think you're going to die at and, and write that. So pause this and think about that. At 89, you feel amazing. There's no chance you're going to die in a year. What age are you really going to die at now? Right? So do that now. Right? So now you come back and most people are writing like 120, 150. <laughs> right? And they're like, okay, now if you really think you're going to be lived to 150, what do you picture you're doing now with your time? From the time you turn 90, that you thought you're going to die, now you're going to live to be 110 or 120. What are you going to do at those years? And yeah. write that down now. Take a few minutes and really think about what are you going to do with your life now that you thought you're going to die at 90 and you're going to live to be 120. What are you going to do with those 30 years? So you write that down. And across the board, every single person, every single person said, I'm going to spend more time with my family and friends. I'm going to, I'm going to do positive things for the world. I want to help people. I want to start that charity they thought about. I want to go, look, I'm getting goosebumps, man. Yep. Nobody said, I'm going to go work and make another yeah. $50 million and get another Lamborghini. Nobody said that. So if that's the stuff you really think is important, why aren't you doing that doing shit now? now. Yeah. Why aren't you doing it now, right? Why not do some of that now? So work that stuff in. I understand you got to eat, you got to buy stuff, and you, you, know, you want to you have those experiences of buying whatever it is that you've always dreamed about buying, but work some of that stuff into your life now. Because you never Absolutely. know, man. You never know when it's going to end. This, this is an amazing ride. You should appreciate every day. Be grateful for every day. Because it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, talking yeah. to you has been, it's been amazing. This has been absolutely amazing. It is. Well, so. well Aaron, I want to take a brief break right, right quick. We're going to get a word from our sponsors. And then we'll come right back. And we'll kind of finish up and wrap up. So... PropString is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers with 100% coverage across the U.S. PropStream provides a deep dive into any property-specific details, making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners. No other product or service can compare. Gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sale prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, comparable home sales, targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to proud.propstreampro.com slash we love it. Okay, Aaron. So now we're back, man. I know you're doing all of these deals. Um, what's been your source of funding? Has it always been just home equity lines of credit or? I'm going to hook you guys up, man. So I was a RIA addict. I'm going to all the RIAs, right? So you go to the RIA and you look at, so I always have this thing, like who are the whales in the room? And the whales are the guys with all the money or the women no. with all the money. They got all the experience, right? Those are the whales, right? So who the, so if I knew somebody who had gone to a lot of meetings there who was who was well known, then I would ask that guy or that girl, hey, who should I meet in this room? Who are the people that I need? Because you get in front of another guy at your level, you learn nothing, right? You yeah. maybe learn one tip, one trick, but you learn really. It's like doing an interview with yourself and then listening to it. Right, you don't learn right. a whole lot from that, right? So I mean, there's basically if I'm talking to a guy who's also got eleven flips going and doing a commercial deal. Uh, maybe I find one source of a better loan somewhere or one agent, but I'm not learning a whole lot from this guy. Right. It's like talking into a mirror. Right. So yeah. I want to go and find the guy who's buying the $40 million, you know, 700 unit apartment building. I want to go talk to that person or that woman, right. I actually was at a right. seminar and there was a woman doing that, I think in Texas. Right. So I want to go talk to that person. Right. So who are the whales in the room? And I started to realize that the whales 
you, you, you look at, at uh, uh, demographics, right? So you have the younger people who are usually the hustlers. There yeah. might be the one or two young guys who just all the cards seem to align for them and they're blowing everybody away and making a lot of money and doing lots of great stuff, right? Or that could be all, all show, right? Right. But, so, you know, the odds of you being that lucky guy, they're, they're not good, unfortunately, right? So you're going to be in that pool of all these young hustlers, right? All these guys and girls are trying to figure it out. And then you got some of these older dudes, right? Or these older women. And you're like, hmm, they always seem to be here. They always seem to have a little crowd of people around them. I mean, there's the older people who have nothing that are just also trying to get it going, which is great. I encourage everybody to get yep. out there and, and try to do something. I mean, once you stop moving, you start dying. That's my philosophy, right? So you got this, this crowd of older people, and they've been in the game for a long time. And because they were so invested in real estate, they don't generally understand stocks or bonds mm -hmm. or all these other things. They might be like into some REITs now because they still feel like they're in the game. In, right. These people have money, man. They have lots of free and clear houses, lots and lots of free and clear rental problems. You want old burnout landlords or old landlords, like burnout ones are the ones who liquidate. Right, right. right. And all that money either goes back into their IRA or goes back into their bank account. They want to be in the game because they're coming to the RIAs. RIAs but they don't have yeah. that energy. They don't want to go chase deals, right? These are the guys who fund all of my stuff. Right. I have one guy, he had about 40 rental properties. He sold them all over the last couple of years and all in his IRA, all his money sitting there. And, and I said, Hey, what are you going to do? You like real estate? You want, I mean, he does some stock right. stuff too, but I said, you want to, you want to, you know, lend me some money. He's like, yeah, I do some loans for you. Right. So I borrow a bunch of his money. I got North of a million of, of that guy's money. And there's another okay. guy and he's the old landlord and I had actually wholesaled him some houses. So you tap into your buyer's list as well too. There's right, some guys right. on there. That still buy rentals, but you know they got 40, 50, 60, 100 rentals. They got tons of money. And this guy has tons of money. And just, I hit him up and I kept saying, hey, you know, you, you do any lending? You do any? I know he's doing a little mentoring, helping out some young people, mm -hmm. you know, like just the free having lunch type stuff. Right. They eat your, they eat your brain conversations, right? The, I yeah. want to pick your brain. I, oh, you, want to, you want to take me to lunch and eat my brain? Awesome. Right? <laughs> my, my time's worth $5 an hour. Let's do that. So, so, uh, I hit up one of these guys and that guy had millions and millions of dollars. And I mean, I probably to this day still have at least $3 million of his money at work. Gotcha. And that's it. I tap into landlords because those guys have the goods. So that's it, who you need to, that's who you need to find. And like you said, it don't have to be a lot, you know, you no. just need to find the right people, align yourself with the right people. But that takes getting out there, knowing your numbers, knowing what you want to do and knowing who you need to go out there and work with because I, I know those guys wouldn't have worked with you if they didn't know what Aaron was doing. If Aaron didn't have a track record, they're not just going to say, oh, well, hey, you want to get started? Here, here's a million bucks. No, they, they're going to watch and see what you do. And because you provide a good product, because you give them returns, you know, they don't mind turning that money over and letting you, you know, borrow it time and time again. So here's another good tip. People are like, well, how do I get that credibility? Hey, doing something like this is a ton of credibility because you're the expert. You have the podcast. You invite me as a guest on there. Now I'm perceived to be as an expert, right? Yep. By, by association. So yep. now somebody listening to this who has a ton of money sitting around doing nothing, not making seven, eight, nine, 10% interest, or it's in the, the Roth and they're like, oh, I'm going to put it to work. I'm going to, you know, always the gonna, 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 they right. call me up. That money's at work this week. I mean, I got deals all the time that I'll throw money at. So, yep. uh, so it's, it's expertise. Look, he, nobody is ever going to come out and say, you know what? You made it, man. Congratulations. Here's your expert certificate. 
you're now officially allowed to call yourself an expert because you made it. We've checked right. all your social media. We've reviewed your deals. You've passed the test. You, congratulations. You now may wear the crown. That day is never coming. Never coming. Never come. You want to be the expert? Who's the expert? This guy. I'm yep, the expert, yep, right? Yep. <laughs> you just tell people, I'm the expert. I'm the guy you need to talk to about this, right? Yep. Because nobody's going to give you that accolade. Nobody. This ain't the Olympics, right? You, you got so, it, man. Yeah. So you just become the expert. Go on podcasts. There's always people looking for people to interview on the podcast. Even if you don't know anything, if I had a podcast, I would love to interview a guy who's just getting started. So I could find out, tap into that. What are your challenges? What do you have right. a hard time with? Because now it attracts all the other people who are in that boat rowing together and they say, yeah, those are my challenges too. And, and I give that guy a one hour, one-on-one mentoring on my podcast. Like, Hey, this is how I dealt with that. This is how I would, this is where I would go to figure that out. This is the book I would read. Right. So yep. it's a fabulous resource. So yeah, get your ass on some podcasts, man. Help some people out. And That's just true. going out and saying, I'm lost. I'm confused. I don't know what I'm doing. You appeal to a huge audience of people who are also saying the same thing, but they're terrified. They're humiliated. Like, and, and it's all in their head. It's not real. Nobody's going to laugh at you like, oh, you haven't done a deal. You suck. Nobody's going right, to do that. Right, right, right. Like, you haven't done a deal. I'm doing 11. Let me help you out, man. You got to get in the game. You got to do a deal. Yep, it's not yep. hard. So. Things you got to do. And, and that's, that's some of the problems is some of the new people, they, they're so worried about what people are going to think, you know. Hey, I've been trying this for two people years. Think. Yeah, okay. I've been trying this for two years and I haven't got a deal. Okay, so what? Keep talking to people. Yeah. And eventually, you'll you'll pop that cherry and you'll get that deal. You those know? are so, relationships that you need to divorce. Those are toxic relationships. Yeah, got to get away from those people. Yep. Don't talk to them anymore. I like to say, show the world, tell the world what you're going to do, but show it first. Right. That's right. So That's I mean, right. it's great to go tell everybody I'm a house buyer. I'm a house buyer. But if you have toxic friends, you just don't you don't talk about that stuff with them. You talk about smoking weed and playing video games yeah. or whatever the hell they're or into, sports, right? You know. And sports, then when you leave them, like yeah, that. whatever they're into, you talk about that with them. And then when you leave them, you go talk about your entrepreneurial stuff with your other friends that are entrepreneurial mindset, right? You, you go talk it. to them about buying houses. So you kind of filter your relationships. So Aaron, what's next, man? What do you, what do you got going on that's next? I know you do some you know, one-on-one -on -one mentoring or coaching or helping people out. What's, what's next in, uh, in your real estate career? So I had, I used to like get a lot of the pick your brain, which man, I hate this thing, man. It's, I just uh -huh. hear, I hear eat your brain. As soon as I say like, Oh, it makes me cringe. Like, Oh, I'm going to lunch and pick my brain. Oh, like, like, don't say that to people. It's, it just sounds horrible. Don't say, let's go to lunch and I'll pick your brain. Like, Hey, can I come to your office and sweep your floors? Do something right, productive, something. man. I don't need <laughs> yeah. to go out to eat, man. Like, hey, let me come and do some filing for you. Or you got some, like, you want to come and shred? It's all gone now. But I had a pile of stuff like this. But come on over and shred my paperwork, dude. Yeah, and I'll talk right. to you while you're shredding. Like, do something productive, man. Right? Uh, help you set up, like, find people for doing podcasts, whatever. Dude, like, do something productive that adds value. Taking me out to lunch is not have I have right. a refrigerator full of food. I can stay home and eat lunch. <laughs> eat I don't lunch. need to get. I don't need to get in a car and spend money. And so, uh, so I I used to charge people, and I, I mean, I felt bad about doing it. But at the same time, I was like, look, I, I have to set some kind of a filter. So I would yeah. charge people for a, a you know for lunch. They'd be like, no, you got to pick my brain, but I'm gonna pick your wallet, right? You're gonna pay yep. me, and and then you're committed because you have some skin in the game, right? And it just got to be where. I mean, I was even telling people no for that. Like, dude, I, I just don't have time to spend three hours at lunch because I'm going to over deliver. It's never going to be an hour right, long. Right. Like this could go, I could keep talking to you all day long. It's never yep. been, right? <laughs> so I told you, you're going to have to shut it off. So, uh, 
so I just started this, this mastermind. It's on Facebook. It's a private group and people can go to, uh, cashflowforlifecoaching.com that's it and the four is of number four right cashflow okay. for life coaching and there's like a sales letter there it's not free but it's a year and if you don't if you haven't done a deal and you want to do a deal then you know i'm not gonna be like oh you gotta pay me and you know most of these guys charge 20 grand i don't, I don't need the money from coaching i mean look at right. me. i'm a very low i'm wearing a, 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 a hoodie you know i get my uh -huh. hair like once a year I'm, I'm a very low overhead guy and so but i just had to have some filter there so uh, if they don't get a deal in the first year following my stuff and looking at my stuff, then they can stay in for another year. I don't care. Right. So, okay. you know, but, but I am on there all the time and I'm doing live calls and we go out in the field and we look at stuff. But for me, I'm kind of over the single family house game. I mean, I'm going to keep doing it because it's profitable, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, why would you turn off a spigot? So I'll keep right, doing it. Right. But I, I think that if I could go back and talk to my, uh, when I start real estate investing, like I don't even know, 30s if i can go back to my my first investing day self again i would say all right write out a business plan everything that you want to do and then tear it up and throw it away and now double or triple or just think way bigger right think way bigger if you want to colonize mars and you end up colonizing the moon that's still pretty damn yeah. impressive right yeah so i would have i wish i could go back i don't wish i'm pretty happy where i am but if i could go back i would say that's great think bigger. The problem I had now that I realize it, hindsight's always 2020 is I surrounded myself with house buyers, right? I surrounded myself with all the people that were like chasing houses. So mm -hmm. that's became what I, what I focused on and what I went after and chased. And that's never why I got into real estate. I was out working as a subcontractor on large apartment buildings. I originally wanted to get into real estate because I wanted to go build my own apartment building, right? So I was gotcha. like, man, I want to go buy these. I want to build these. If those guys are doing it, I can do it. And then the only the easiest access to real estate, like getting in the game at that time was single family single house family. buyers. There was no apartment mm -hmm. developed. I mean, Lindhall might've been the only one. There was nobody else out there that I remember that was teaching how to chase multifamily. So I, I, the, the easy door to get through was the, the single family door. I went after that and I did lots of that. I don't want to do that any longer. I mean, I'm going to keep doing it, but I, that's not my focus. I, well, gotcha. I have the team that can do that. I don't have to be involved in it very little, just kind of, make sure the deal makes sense for what we're, we're doing. Mm -hmm. But now my goal this year is to buy a larger apartment building. I have an eight unit one under contract that I'm developing, but I want okay. to do like a hundred units. Gotcha. So I'm putting it out there. So if somebody knows, I used to own a 63 space mobile home park and I like those too. And I would also be interested in that, but I think my primary focus is on multifamily. Multifamily. Yeah, okay. That's really where I want to go. All right. Okay, Aaron. So we're going to move into our next section, man. I'm going to put you on a hot seat. Aaron, you're gonna go on a hot seat. I'm gonna oh, ask man. you. Here these, we go. I'm gonna ask you these questions. Answer them as quickly as possible for me, and let's see how you do. Okay, right. you kind of touched on this already. Starting over, what would you do differently? The, exactly that. I would. I would look at where my ultimate goal is. What do I actually really want to accomplish in this business? And if you want to buy office buildings, don't chase single-family houses. Maybe do a couple to get some money, but if you go work for a commercial building broker, you're going to get much faster. You're going to surround yourself with the people who do that and they're going to pull you up. Exactly like I said. And yep. so you want to buy commercial real estate, you need to go immerse. Your, you want to learn Spanish. You don't sit on the toilet playing on Duolingo, right? Yeah. You take your ass to Mexico and you immerse yourself and you learn Spanish, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. So you want to, whatever it is you want to do, you look at your end game. What do you want to accomplish? If that's really what you want to do, you need to do an immersive 
program. You need program. to go and surround yourself with those people and seek out those people uh, uh, to, to, you know, a lot of them will just adopt you surprisingly. Like, people are like, Oh, I need a mentor. And I wouldn't say that either. You just start being friends with yeah, them. Yeah. Say, hey, yeah. You know, like, hey, let me buy a coffee. If you surround yourself with a commercial real estate broker who makes $50 million a year, he doesn't need you to buy him coffee. Right, right. Right? So gotcha. maybe go wax his Lamborghini or some shit. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> figure it out. Say, hey, you got something that you need checked on. I'll go look at it. Go, you know, yeah. Be, be helpful, right? Yeah, be not, helpful. Not a nuisance. So, so what, do you, what, do you, what is your greatest commodity outside of capital? My greatest commodity would absolutely be my curiosity. I, okay. I, I always want to know i want to figure things out i want to i like listening to other guys doing stuff and it makes me wonder like hmm, can i do that too and i can i know i can but you know am i willing to do that so my curiosity as an entrepreneur i think we're all curious right we all have this idea yeah. of taking this this uh, the definition of an entrepreneur is taking a, a, a an asset from a lower level of value and pushing it to a higher level right yeah. so we take these rundown houses apartments whatever it is and we want to rehab and, and reinvigorate them and up the cash flow. We're pushing them to a higher level. So it's always this curiosity of, can I do that? Can I make that happen? Can I surround myself with the people who can make me, make me gotcha. make that dream a reality? Okay. So, yeah. What's one thing you could do to be more productive? Hire more people okay. faster. Everybody sucks at hiring everybody. Yeah. Right. I, I think I got this from Gary V Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm -hmm. Be good at firing. That's what you need to be That's good at. True. You're going to suck at hiring. There's no perfect way to hire somebody. Yep. Just be good at firing people. That's what you got to be good at. It's a crucial conversation. There's a book on that, right? Yeah. So there's a book on that. It's a difficult conversation, but the difficult conversations need to be had and they need to be had quickly. So when you hire somebody, if they're not working out, Let they'll go. go. They're not going to go home and, you know, jump off a bridge. They're going to figure it out. And they're yep. in. At the end of the day, they're going to be better off and you're going to be better off be better because if they're off. not a right fit for that seat, you need to push them out the door, say, hey, you need to go find a better or maybe they're good, but they're not just good for the seat you put them in. Maybe yeah. they should do something else in your office. So you don't necessarily have to get rid of them, but you have to give them a new job. So yep. yeah, hiring, outsourcing, and then I don't want to say menial in a derogatory way, but tasks that are below your pay grade, outsourcing those faster, put people in those seats. You'll make more money. You will make more money. Okay. All right. So what do you believe is one characteristic an investor needs to have to be successful? Mm, characteristic determination for sure. So I like to say like, if you want to run a marathon, say you're going to go to the Boston marathon, what are the odds you and I are going to win that race? You got to win this race. Yeah, slim to none. You're, you're not winning that race, man. <laughs> I don't care how how much you think you're gonna do it. You're not. You're not gonna beat those guys that are coming over from Kenya that are 22 right, years right. old. It's just not gonna happen. <laughs> they right. run it like eight miles an hour. <laughs> you can want it all. The, like it just there's some things. There's a reality, right? So, uh, but do you have to win the race, or you just have to finish the race? Right. You right. just got to finish. That's it. And I don't care if the cameras are gone and they've even disassembled the finish line. If I'm crawling on my hands and knees and I make it across that finish line, I accomplished that goal. Yep. I ran the marathon. It doesn't matter that I didn't win. I did it. And from that point on, I could say, oh yeah, I ran the New York City I'm, Marathon. Yep. How yep. many other people haven't done it? Millions. I mean, there's only so many people that even let do it every year. It's like a lottery system, right? So, but 
it's this determination drive, right? You have to be driven. And when it doesn't, don't be afraid to fail. fail failing is part of the education process. Yeah, yep, I like to fail because then I figure out how to do it better next time. If I just get shit right all the time, oh, it's right, it's right, it's right. I never learn anything. You never learn. I just keep doing the same stupid stuff over and over and over again. And it could be wrong, but I'm doing it to a point where I'm doing it enough that I think it's right. But if I fail, then I know next time I'm not going to do that again, but instead right. I'm going to do this. So it's just drive, this determination to keep pushing forward. And, and I think part of the thing, what I said was a curiosity too, is just being curious as to what you can actually accomplish in your life. And it's so much, it's, yeah. it's so much. Everybody's important. Everybody has a voice. Everybody needs to be heard and go out there and do what you think you want to do because you can do it. The only thing holding you back is yourself. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you so much, man. You gave a lot of words of wisdom. You gave a lot of inspiration. Um, wrapping up here, man, how can we find you? Some of the listeners, you know, they say, hey, you know what? I really want to further this conversation with Aaron. How can we find you? Where are you at on social media? Uh, I, I'm on Instagram a lot. I really like Instagram. It's, it's, I think it's entertaining as all hell. There's some great stuff on there. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Aaron the House Buyer. That's me, okay. at Aaron the House Buyer on Instagram. That may change to Aaron the Apartment Buyer by the end of the year, but it's Aaron the House Buyer right now. And don't steal that, anybody. That's messed <laughs> up, man. <laughs> but it's Aaron the House Buyer right now. So that's where gotcha. I'm at. I'm on Facebook. You can hit me up there, Aaron Mazzarello. I'm sure they can find my name on your podcast. It'll be written yep, somewhere. Yep. Uh, there's, there's no other Aaron Mazzarellos in the world, so it's pretty easy to find me. I have a Jewish first name and an Italian last name. Uh, surprising, yeah. <laughs> surprisingly, I'm actually Russian, so... Is what wow, it is. So, wow. Yeah, it's, a, it's a very weird story that I'll have to tell you sometime. Very strange. But uh, yeah, so Aaron Mazzarello on Facebook. I'm on there quite a bit. Usually every day, I talk to people a lot on Facebook because I have the, the mastermind on there. Okay. Yep. Give, uh, me, the, give me that um, URL too for the website and the mastermind. Cashflow for life for the number four, cashflowforlifecoaching.com. Okay. And then guys, I'll make sure I have all of this information in the show notes. So you can hit Aaron up if you need to. I'm going to be speaking. I just want to jump in. I'm speaking yep. this coming weekend at the, the San Francisco Summit. It's actually in Oakland. S SFB, San Francisco Bay Summit, Bay. I guess. Okay. SFBsummit.com. And that's going to be a fantastic lineup because I'm pretty sure it's like a no, no pitch event. It's all gotcha. content. Most of these guys that are speaking are heavy hitters on bigger pockets that's kind of how this whole thing started it's in its fifth year now i spoke at the first one then i had a kid and i took a couple years off but now they're having me back so i'm gonna be up there okay. for that and I'm, I'm gonna do an hour talk about uh goals and networking uh some stuff that most people don't really understand that they are extremely important how to how to actually network the right way and, and about documenting your goals and putting them out there because the universe will respond if you tell it what you want. Yeah, you have to tell very it. True. You have to tell it. Very true. So guys, you'll be able to, if you're in the Bay Area or if you want to go and see Aaron, you know, go to the San Francisco Bay, um, San Francisco Bay Summit, SFBsummit.com. All right, it's very man. inexpensive. It's like 500 bucks or something to go. It's going to be a great event. So I'm going to be there. I'll be hanging out. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, okay. Yeah. Well, Aaron, I appreciate you providing appreciate all of the you, content, man. man, for the We Love Equity listeners. Right, Guys, we love equity. Equity yes. pie, man. Eat, eat that equity pie. Eat, eat it up. <laughs> eat it up. <laughs> so, I have Aaron, another slice, please. <laughs> <laughs> any last words before we finish up here, man? Get, get it, man. Be grateful. Go get it. It's out there waiting for you. There's nothing stopping you. It's, 
it's like you one quick you ask a question that uh uh internal external challenges yep. it's all internal there's no such thing as an external challenge there's guys in prison running the show on the streets that's true. right there's that's guys true. in prison locked up 24 hours a day and they run the show on the streets you're on the streets how can you not run the show there's it's only internal it's all internal it's all mindset it's the only thing stopping you so if you can't if you can't get it, then fix your mindset. Then fix go get mindset. it. Right? There's people out there that will help you with that. Right? There's so, books. There's books that help you with that. Yep. So work so on guys, your mindset. You can definitely, you know, hear Aaron talk more about the mindset. So guys, we're signing off here. Thank you, Aaron, again for being our hey. guest on the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, and we will see you guys next week. All right. So that was Aaron Mazzarelli out of the Inland Empire. He gave us some great information in regards to wholesaling, buy and hold, funding, finding private capital, and all of that kind of information. So again, if you want more, make sure you go to the show notes below. You can get that information and I'll be excited and waiting for our next show in two weeks. All right. It's Marcus Maloney, the Equity King, signing off. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.